0: Hello and welcome to the Para Aqua podcast, the science podcast that shines a light on the newest and most interesting research being conducted in the fields of aquatic and marine ecology. My name is Joe Money, I'm a PhD student and the host of this podcast. Today I'm joined by Professor Gabriel Asien who's a professor of chemical engineering at the University of Almeria in the south of Spain. We'll be discussing his research into industrial applications for algal aquaculture and how research into fungal parasitism can help prevent setbacks in this growing area of research. Uh, Gabriel, how are you doing? Fine. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just enjoying the last of the the summer sun here in Poznan. How, How are things in Spain? Fantastic. The weather
1: is perfect, and then we are producing a lot of microalgae currently.
0: Perfect. Nice weather is nice for us, and it's also nice for our research, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll try not to keep you too long on the podcast so you can go out and enjoy the nice weather. Okay, thanks for your invitation to participate in this podcast. No problem, no problem. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Um, so could you just give us a quick summary of your background, education and research history, just so we can get to know you a little better?
1: Yes, of course. Uh, I am professor of the Chemical Engineering Department of the University of Almeria, but I perform my bachelor studies and master's studies at the University of Granada. Also in Spain, but once I finalized these studies, I decided to move to the University of Almería because in Almería, a uh, young group of researchers start to perform research about algae production, especially microalgae, for largely different applications: health, and foods, and aquaculture, etc. This is a the 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 motivation to start to work in this topic.
0: Nice. And and did you did you grow up in Granada? Did- or in this area of Spain? No, no I,
1: I was born in Almeria, but I completed my studies in, in Granada.
0: Ah, I see, okay.
1: So you've come back? Yes, I come back to the University of Almeria, especially to
0: work on this uh, field, in, in, in macroalgae biotechnology. That's really good that you get to work and, and live uh, in your hometown. That must be quite rewarding. And also, I have to say, there was a, there was a recent Para Aqua meetup, wasn't there? There was a workshop in, Maria, and unfortunately i couldn't go but it looked amazing yes it
1: was a very nice workshop because we were able to join 30 researchers uh, from europe especially young researchers and then we enjoyed three days sharing and discussing about this uh, field
0: yeah and i was able to join online but um unfortunately i think it's a bit better in person often these these workshops isn't it but i still really enjoyed the the lectures and the information um so I'm guessing that algal aquaculture is a term that most of our listeners probably aren't familiar with. Could you describe this area of research and, and why it's becoming, more, uh, why it is becoming increasingly important to many vital industries?
1: Yes, I can summarize that, or I can introduce the, the, the audience, that uh, most of the people know the algae that grow in the oceans. However, this, this amount of algae growing naturally in the ocean is not enough if we want to produce uh, foods or uh, fields are including nutraceutical, etc. And then uh, the, the, uh, the industry is looking for technologies to be able to produce this algae. Some companies are focusing the production of this algae in the oceans, but it can be in conflict with the use of the oceans, the contamination of the ocean, etc. And this is the reason because other researchers, other industries are focusing the production in land. And then we are working on this topic, how we can produce algae similar to other crops in land, but minimizing the use of resources. I mean, not using fertilizer, not using fresh water, et cetera, And then to be able to produce uh, these uh, algal products as alternative to the conventional crops.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, I think I'm right in saying that the, the the carbon dioxide absorbed by the oceans and the algal population in the oceans vastly vastly outweighs the carbon dioxide absorbed by even the largest forests. So this is definitely an area that we can expand on if we're really serious about tackling climate change. Isn't that right?
1: Yes, yes, it's right. I mean, as you say, the oceans are fixing enormous amounts of CO2, naturally, because microalgae and microalgae growing there are fixing. But also, if we are able to perform these protests in land, we will be able to increase this capacity, including some companies are now interested to produce this type of algae for the production of bioplastics. I mean, producing other materials alternative to fossil-based materials.
0: Yeah, yeah, it seems like a really interesting, innovative area of research. And that kind of brings me on to my next question, really, which is, Gabriel, you've Given your extensive research career, I think you've contributed to over 250 published papers in numerous scientific fields. What was it exactly that attracted to you to this area of research in particular?
1: Uh, I decided to, to focus in this area, especially for the high potential of these technologies. Uh, I, I want to remark that uh, the algal technology is quite new, more or less uh, 30, 50 years, And the the potential of this technology to contribute to the challenge of the the humanity of the mankind is is tremendous because we can, uh, as as I say, produce similar material that conventional crops, but much more efficiently and much more sustainable. And this is a a large opportunity to produce food, feeds, material, but including biofuels. The European Commission already mentioned that this is an important field to to push because uh, it's important the the, the potential contribution in, in the in the next decades about these topics
0: yep um i i definitely think uh, there's so much more research that can be done in this area and i think that's a great reason to get into it it's always interesting to sort of be a pioneer in a new area of research and it definitely seems like you're definitely one of these pioneers
1: Yes, especially because not only research, but also uh, entrepreneurs and spin offs and, and small companies are, they currently start production facilities. And the amount of production facilities, the amount of people involved in the industrial sector is, is growing very fast.
0: Yep, yep. Industry and research, you've got it all there, already, don't you? Um, yeah, and, and speaking of industry, actually, is there any particular industry that you think will be revolutionized by the processes involved in algal aquaculture?
1: Yes, I think that the, the contribution of algae for the production of food is already established. It's, it's only a matter of increasing the production capacity because all the processes and technologies are well developed. But now we are more or less focusing low value application as the production of biofertilizers, the production of biomaterials. I think that this is an opportunity for for the industry to replace fossil based materials by this type of uh, organic materials. And probably in, in not a long term, we will be able also to produce uh, biofuels and, and energy carriers different than the, the ones based on, on, on fossil uh, fuels. And it could be also a very important opportunity.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds really good. Um, I think one of the things that the, the listeners might want to know about is, is actually how physically these algal products and these algal foods are grown. Is there a system that you use? Is it uh, in septic tanks? Is it on these sort of growth uh, media platforms? Um, could you describe it just quickly so everyone has an idea in their head of, of what exactly these algal production plants look like?
1: Okay, it's quite similar to the conventional crops. I mean that the, the plants they need water, fertilizer, and they are able to capture CO2 from the air to, to grow. In the case of algae, uh, algae don't have roots or, or structures. That means that they grow naturally, floating in the in the water. That means that we need to install system uh, on which the water is recirculated. In this water, we put the seed of the microalgae, we put a small amount of microalgae, and microalgae grow very fast. Day by day they duplicate. Then we need to provide also some nutrients, some uh, a certain amount of CO2, etc. But this is also a, a very interesting topic because in if in these water bodies, in these water systems, we provide not fertilizer, but including manure or other effluents containing nutrients, or including flue gases containing CO2, microalgae are able to capture of all of, of all these nutrients, and to transform these nutrients that can be potentially contaminants into valuable uh, biomass for different applications. Then the technology is quite simple, but of course you need to to develop the the right engineering about how to manage the system.
0: Yeah, so you're taking uh, effluent and you know waste products basically, and using the nutrients that are locked up in those toxic compounds that can be broken down and those are feeding the algae, is, is that probably correct?
1: Yes, it's correct. Uh, I only want to differentiate for the audience that algae produced for human applications never are never produced using this type of effluents. They are produced only, only using clean water, pure CO2 and pure fertilizer, like the typical crops. But uh, algae have also this other potential application. Then to be able to reuse effluents, to produce biomass, not for human application, but for biofertilizer, for biofuels, or whatever other applications, not related with human consumption.
0: Yeah, I see, because I guess there are a lot higher regulations for consumption consumptive algals, I guess, than ones that are used for sort of industrial processes, like you mentioned, that that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yes, thank you for the reassurance. Yeah. Yes, the
1: industry also have uh, safety criteria, I mean, to prevent whatever risk for human population, then uh, no residuals, no effluents with potential contaminants can be used to produce human-related products.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I see what you're saying. Um, So as you've related the growth of uh, macro and microalgae to uh, crops, with every crop, there is always pests. uh, There's always things that you don't want that are eating your food or contaminating your food. And that's a tale as old as as time. But um, one of the reasons you've become a key member and working group leader in the ParaAqua network is because the importance of preventing and regulating fungal parasite outbreaks in these algal aquacultures. So what mechanisms are in place to prevent these outbreaks from occurring?
1: This is a very important question because uh, at this time we we don't have a lot of uh, tools to manage this type of contaminants. I, I already explained that we are developing this technology, it's recent technology. Then only when we are starting large facilities, more, more or less 10 hectare facilities or whatever, we are identifying this type of problems, this type of disease in the cultures. Never. We, we don't have a previous experience about that. the the the, the actual tools or the tools that the, the industry is applying is in one side to prevent contamination, I mean to only use clean water, clean materials, et cetera, avoiding the entrance of these fungi into the system. But for larger scale production, especially using effluents and whatever, it is not possible to treat the water entering into the process. Then we are developing some biological tools. I mean, bacteria that attack to the fungi or some modification of the culture conditions to prevent that the fungi have good culture conditions to grow, etc. Then, but I repeat again, we are starting this type of research. This is the importance of Paragua project, because in the Paragua project, experts from different fields, ecology, microbiology, etc. All together, we are collaborating to identify the natural mechanisms regulating the growth of these fungi in the nature. And then we are trying to mimic these natural mechanisms into the last production system.
0: Yeah, and one of the working groups that I've been particularly a part of in this ParaAqua network is uh, the identification sort of stage of understanding fungal parasites. I guess that's also a massive part of once you've got a contaminated algal culture, you really need to identify what it is that's contaminating it.
1: Yes, this is very very interesting question because uh, the first step to fight versus a fungi or whatever pathogen is to know the pathogen that we have in the system. Then especially people from molecular biology, they already have method based on, on, on this type of genomic analysis and they already identify which are the most uh, uh, pre- or the prevalent uh, fungi in the culture. The good news is that only few fungi are present in the mycorrhizic cultures then we don't need to fight with all the fungi that there are in in the nature. Only some of them, and also it's, it's, it's really funny that we identify that some fungi are associated with some specific strain, mycorrhizal strain. Then it's only a, it's a question of symbiosis or something like that, and or parasites, and then we need to to fight for whatever specific algae with a a street or very reduced number of fungi attacking this, uh, uh, fighting this uh, strain. Then we are now learning this type of natural system in order to be able to develop tools for the prevention of these problems.
0: Yeah, I think, um, as you mentioned before, this, this area of research and industry really highlights how a multi-subject approach is really important in this, because as you mentioned, Paraqua enables us to collaborate With chemical engineers, such as yourself, ecologists, microbiologists, mycologists, having a broad range of tools at your disposal is, I'm sure, vital in this situation.
1: Yeah, this is very important. I repeat again that we are more or less in the infancy of this type of technology. The same that crops or conventional agriculture, they fight versus pathogens using chemical tools, biological tools, etc., A lot of different expertise collaborate in the development of agriculture. and This is very important, how large is the production of food or foods by agriculture. Then more or less, we are in the same range or the same scenario concerning microalgae. We need the collaboration of different expertise in order to to accelerate the growth of this sector.
0: Yeah, completely. So, Gabriel, I think one of the things that might be people's perception of this sort of algal agriculture is that it's a sort of a high-technology modified supplement-based industry that isn't quite in in keeping with their ideas of traditional farming. So is there anything that you can say to sort of reassure people or clarify to the general public how exactly this industry isn't uh, all of those things that I've just said? Yes, of course.
1: Uh, I want to remark that uh, algae producers, especially in Europe, are using quite traditional methods then they are not using pesticide, chemicals or whatever. It's a very simple technology on which uh, in the the reactors, in the the water system, we are only using natural compounds, especially some nitrogen and phosphorus uh, sources. And we produce the the biomass, dry biomass, that is commercialized. Then I repeat again, that is a, a very safe material, very well accepted by the consumers, and accomplishing all the regulations in Europe, including contributing to the uh, development of rural areas, which is also very important for, for Europe.
0: Yeah, so I think you're summing it up really well there. And I think what's worth reminding uh, the listeners and, and consumers in general is that the diversity provided by these sort of algal products uh, when they're consumed by humans is that they they are really full of nutrients and healthy materials, and they don't have these sort of, boogeyman side effects that uh, genetically modified crops are perceived to have.
1: Yes, we don't produce uh, genetically modified organisms, only natural strains are produced, like spirulina, chlorella, hematococcus, and all this strain has been demonstrated that in addition to the nutritional value, I mean, proteins, content, etc., they also provide uh, health improvement properties, I mean antioxidant properties, anti-diabetes, etc. Then all the studies already uh, performed about this topic demonstrate that the consumption, the consumption of algae is very positive for the for for the consumers. The the question is that we need to enlarge the production capacity and also to uh, facilitate the the access of the consumer to this type of materials.
0: Yeah. It seems like the, the efficiency and the marketing are the things that almost need to be focused on because the science is is basically there. Uh, so is there any upcoming research projects or collaborations that you're excited to work on that you want to tell us about?
1: Yes, uh, we are recently uh, uh, starting some projects about bioenergy, producing uh, different uh, energy carriers based on algae. But I want to remark the real project. The real project is a EU project that started more or less one years ago, and is focused in the production of algae connected to the drain water from agriculture, because most of the people perhaps are um, in, uh, are conscious that agriculture use a lot of nitrogen, and part of this nitrogen go to the water bodies, and it suppose a contaminant uh, compound. Then we are developing a system collecting the drain water, producing the algae with this drain water in order to recirculate clean water to the greenhouses at the same time that we are producing algae biomass to be used for uh, feed applications and for agricultural application as biostimulants or aqua feed, etc. This is a very important project because we can offer to the farmers a, a, an additional return. From this type of uh, production, then they will be producing tomatoes, but at the same time, they are producing certain amount of algae as a byproduct, and all the process will be much more sustainable.
0: That sounds really good, and especially as a aquatic ecologist myself, the idea of reducing the nitrogen input into freshwater systems sounds great because that is one of the big problems that we have to deal with when we're dealing with freshwater pollution and stuff like that so that sounds like a really interesting project and i hope to read about it more definitely so final question one of the potential uses of algal aquaculture is the production of edible algal supplements isn't that right um so we've just been talking about the production of food but on the recent para aqua workshop in almeria i saw some edible algal products that were handed out to the participants and as amazing as the science sounds they didn't look that tasty so, what do you think the uh, what do you think of the edible algal products, and what dishes do you think that maybe we could work them into?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, uh, we need to produce algae for different applications. For food application, it's true that uh, sometimes the smell or the taste or whatever is not well appreciated. It depends on the consumer. Some consumers like it, but other consumers don't like uh, too much this type of products. Anyway, the the food industry. Uh, normally face or fight with this type of problems. I mean, sometimes they extract or they remove from the biomass the, the inadequate compounds providing this uh, typical smell or tasty or including, we can include the algae biomass in different matrices. Then, according with the matrix, we can cover more or less these problems. It's a, it's a question of uh, food te- food technology. I mean, how we use the biomass, for different food or final foods. But anyway, this is a technical problem that is more or less solved according with the final application.
0: Yeah, and like I said, all all that happened was that I saw the food and it just looked a little little strange, but I never tasted it. So I'd love to give it a try. Maybe next time uh there's a workshop in Almeria I'll be get to try some. And I'm sure it'll be very nice. It looks sort of like it would taste like spinach. I don't quite know if that's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. yes. Very good comparison, like
0: a spinach. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So not good for kids, but maybe good for adults. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, well, Gabriel, it's been a real pleasure having you on. Um, thank you so much for the, the chat. And it's I found it really enlightening. Learned a lot myself, and I hope the listeners have too. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you to you. The Para Aqua podcast was funded by COST the European Cooperation in Science and Technology, and is a product of the ParaAqua Action Group. If you are interested in joining an action group or just want to know more, please go to www.paraaqua-cost.eu or follow the link in the episode description. The podcast is produced by myself and Serena Rasconi, and the science communication coordinator is Anna Gavrilovic. Once again, thanks for listening, See you next time on the Para Aqua podcast.